Welcome to Movies or Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler, and today we're taking a stroll down the romantic aisle with the number 37 film on the 50 best rom-coms list, The Wedding Planner. Brace yourselves, returning guest and co-host of the podcast, Second Best Picture, Kyle Radford, will be joining me to talk through the depths of cringe and questionable plot twists that happen in this early 2000s favorite. Before we jump into that conversation with Kyle, Whitney is here with me. How are you doing, Whitney? I'm good. Good. We're, uh, we're coming off a successful Thanksgiving break, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was great. Saw lots of family. I had a good time. So I wanted to make sure everybody listens to the end of the podcast because we're just going to quickly touch on some of the films that we got to watch over the holiday, which included Trolls, The Wiggles, Genies. The and Wiggles, like, documentary, not just The Wiggles. <laughs> and, and Dane Cook. <laughs> you you missed Genie. <laughs> I you said it, but I talked over you. I said you. genies. I know, but I talked over you. Okay, <laughs> you did. Well, um, before we jump into this conversation with Kyle, I, I do have to ask you, so this was my first time to watch The Wedding Planner, but I know for a fact that you own this on DVD. We had a copy of it on our shelf, or you did, when we met. Um, so uh, wh- why did you own this movie? Well, if you would have asked me a few weeks ago, why I owned it. It's because I really liked it and it was a great romantic comedy and I enjoyed the storyline. But rewatching it, it's not very good. Yeah, you did. But know. no, it's terrible. But <laughs> I enjoyed it again because, I mean, Matthew McConaughey smiles and you just like go, okay, I'll do whatever you say. And he's just like got that magnet, magnetic like personality. But, and I never really cared if she was with Massimo. Because I always felt sorry for Massimo. But anyway, I don't know why I liked it after rewatching it. But um, but I did like it. It was uh, 2001 would have been right during um, college for me. And so um, roommates and I would see it and, re- and watch it. And we probably just rewatched it in our house. And I just would have it on on like a Saturday while we did housework or laundry. And I just liked romantic comedies. So. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's why. Yeah. So uh, one thing it, that me and Kyle discussed, and something I didn't know about this movie, was the whole thing about brown M and M's. I want you to hear this clip, and then I want you to give us your take on that. Okay. The only eating the brown M and M's is insane. Would you agree? Act of a madman. Act of act of complete insanity. <laughs> I'd never heard of that either. Makes no sense. I. I. It's like we need something cute. I don't know, uh, brown M&M's. Yeah, it's terrible. I, You know, they always do that with like Skittles. And Skittles make sense because Skittles taste different. But I think you could start a controversy because I really do feel like people will think that the M&M's taste different. But I don't think they do. No. I think all M&M's taste the same. But Skittles do taste different. They do. So, yeah. you know, I guess there's purity to brown M&M's. At least he didn't only like the green ones or something. That would definitely make him a serial killer or like a porn star. A porn star. Green, you know, I don't know. That's what they always say about the green one. Read it. Read about it. What? Read about it. Are you serious? Yeah. What does that have to do? I don't know. Check it out. Okay. I'm not know. saying it on here. Okay. It's, all, it's all you're getting out of me. Okay. Well, let's go into the conversation with Kyle, and we'll circle back around on this okay. uh, towards the end of the podcast. Okay. While Mary was planning everyone else's love life, she didn't have one of her own. Mary, you haven't been on a date in two years. You can't avoid love forever. You know those who can't do teach? Those who can't wed? Plan. So fate stepped in. <sighs> 
Are you okay? You saved my shoe and my, my life. I'm welcoming in one of my best friends and one half of the amazing podcast, Second Best Picture, Kyle Radford. How are you doing, Kyle? Hey, buddy. I'm doing good. How are you, Nate? I'm <laughs> doing great. Uh, <laughs> Thanks so, for having me, man. Yeah, I know. it's a, it, It's been a little while, but before we jump into this movie, uh, just a little, tell the listeners a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, uh, me and uh, me and my buddy Brandon McMinn, we have a podcast called Second Best Picture where we take all of the Oscar nominees for a year and we uh, we kind of spend some time each episode talking about an Oscar nominee for a given year and then we decide um, what what the Academy got right, what they got wrong, and what movies they missed altogether. So we kind of re-adjudicate the, uh, the Oscars for every year. Right now we're in the middle of 2006, movies released in 2006, so... Uh, it's nice to talk about a movie that I don't think was nominated for any Oscars. We get a little heavy on our on our show sometimes, so excited to not be so heavy today. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I, I say I promise I'm not saying this because you're my good friend, and I've gotten to know Brandon as well. But it's a legit good podcast. If I did not know you two, I would still really enjoy it. So you both love movies. You both banter well together. You've known each other for a long time, so that really uh, comes through on the podcast. So I really, if you if you love movies, it's a great listen. Even if you haven't uh, seen the films, I think because I would say, and maybe you could disagree or agree with me, because they're Oscar, they have been nominated for Oscars. There's at least like, there's a familiarity there, even if you haven't seen the movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I definitely hadn't seen all the movies going into them and it's, it's expanded uh, my range of, of films that I've seen. And there's a few that I had kind of heard of, but I had no idea what they were even about that I have, I've really enjoyed because of this, this process. So yeah, second best picture, check us out. We're, uh, we're wherever you get podcasts. Thanks, Nate. And this is, I love your, I love your podcast. This is so much fun. Uh, I, I'm so jealous of all the movies you get to talk about as I'm sitting there talking about <laughs> Babel and uh, things like that. <laughs> well, well, you say that and we're about to talk, talk about this movie. <laughs> no, I'm not happy with you this week. I am not happy with you this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. So this is your third time on and I, I feel I, I'm kind of worried a little bit about Maybe you're not going to come back on because we covered the Batman. You aren't a big fan of that. Um, we covered Dear Evan Hansen, which was its own uh, sort of travesty. And so anyway, then we have this film. Um, and so I hope this is not like a third strike, you know, <laughs> you're out. Yeah, type of situation. Uh, you're, you're, I mean, you're on thin ice. Now, you did let me pick and I kind of picked this one wanting something that was just fluff. But this is fluff is generous for whatever this is. This is like those carnival. If fluff is what your kids stuffed animals are filled with, this is like carnival prizes that are filled with asbestos and despair. <laughs> well, uh, well, I kind of laugh because for whatever reason, I just I, I haven't I hadn't seen this movie before. And. I know when I met Whitney, it's like one she had as a DVD, like she had it. And I know a lot of people had seen this movie, but I, I just, I hadn't seen it before. And so when I originally had this list of 50, you know, I reached out to all my friends to basically claim one. And there was probably like a little over 40 were claimed, but there was this kind of group of movies that still, you know, I haven't, some I've gotten some people attached to and stuff, but the wedding planner was already always kind of floating out there. And then like, after seeing this, I, I, I understand why. 
Yeah, I uh, and, and and I actually I think I'll be on a future podcast because this is now you had me pick one. This was not on my radar as one to pick. So uh, I appreciate you giving me another bite at the apple. Um, yeah, I I told my wife that we were doing this, and she's like, "Oh, I loved that movie when I was in high school." Uh, so there there is an audience um, for yeah. this. It's not me. <laughs> right I, I i just was a little like uh winnie and i we kind of we, we've gone halfway through this list of the 50 best rom-coms and even kind of analyzing that the movie that i had at my lowest um i still i still kind of enjoyed it and this is probably the first movie I, i'm going ahead and spoiling my kind of mm. overall take of this movie this was one where i was definitely like Okay, so we like Working Girl was I actually did it with your uh, co-host uh, Brandon, and yep. so that was a movie that I didn't necessarily like super love, but I totally kind of understood why people would like it so much. This one was uh, the Wedding Planner was kind like I I don't think it has any business being on this uh, list at all. <laughs> you know, let me just let me talk about that for a second because okay. I I was like this has to be number fifty. Like it has to be. <laughs> yeah. if, 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 um, there, there, there weren't fifty better movies than this. And then I look, and it's number thirty-seven. Are you kidding me? Below it are Knocked Up, Ten Things I Hate About mm. You, Five Hundred yeah. Days of Summer. I, okay, not on the list. Some like it hot. Sabrina, L.A. Story, Bridesmaids, as good as it gets. But the Wedding Planner is on this list. I gotta talk to Bill Simmons. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll have to reread the initial article on it because someone had to have. Maybe it was someone like Kayla who just like they there was a nostalgic like connection to it or something that they yeah. just really I mean, it was a hit. It. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was. And so if, if people haven't seen this movie, you know, I, I was kind of reanalyzing things and I usually pull kind of a brief like description uh, of the movie, like just off the internet or whatever, but I kind of wanted to have a little bit fun. And I, I believe I might be wrong, but you, you two have on your podcast utilized chat GPT a little bit, right? Into your podcast. <laughs> we, we've done on some of our social media, we put some chat GPT in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I thought it would just be fun. And I said, um, write a snarky description of this uh of this movie so this is here it is here here it goes uh in this 2001 film directed by adam shankman jennifer lopez stars as a wedding obsessed protagonist who can coordinate a ceremony with military precision but can't seem to schedule a date for herself matthew mcconaughey plays the groom-to-be who's about as interesting as a beige paint swatch <laughs> get, re get ready for a rom-com so formulaic you'll be checking your watch to see if it's time for the credits to roll before the first kiss even happens spoiler alert love conquers all but originality takes a back seat <laughs> so that I, I thought that was a pretty good description of this movie <laughs> i mean i couldn't have said it better myself this this movie i mean this belongs on the hallmark channel right like yeah. this should be starring dean kane and candace cameron and uh melissa joan hart like th this would not get a major release these days this they'd set this thing at christmas and call it a christmas wedding and that would be the end of it um right. it, it's it's just yeah it's so formulaic it's so one note and surface level it's like someone's description of what a basic rom-com is yes exactly um, I, I a little bit so i'd never seen it uh, and, and I was watching it on a plane 
Um, and famously, I do not sleep on planes. And by famously, I no one knows that except for a few people. But I don't sleep on planes. I hardly sleep in beds. So I don't sleep on planes. <laughs> and I was watching this on a plane last week. And I was falling asleep. And I had to, I had to stop it. I had to stop it like 45 minutes yeah. in because I couldn't keep my eyes open. I mean, I don't know if that had more to do with the movie or the couple beers I had with lunch in the Denver airport, but I, I had to watch this thing in two sittings. Uh, and I'm, I'm a little fuzzy what happened in the first half. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of laugh. I, I'm laughing that you are, are saying that because I was even kind of getting ready for this. And I was looking at the rankings and like how I would uh, rank everything. And there were certain elements I, I really had to kind of refresh my mind on because I, I try really hard to basically anytime I watch a movie to put my phone up, kind of, you know, remove distractions. But it was almost like my hand couldn't help itself. <laughs> it kept like kind of grabbing my phone to look at something. And so, yeah, it was just something that was really hard for me to pay attention to. And I don't think it's so much this movie is like, I mean, I think it's bad, um, but it it doesn't it doesn't have a heart to it because I don't think the performances are necessarily bad. Would you agree with that? Like the actor, like most of the people that are involved. Yeah, um, I would mostly agree with that. I think Jennifer Lopez is doing a good job. I I don't know if I'd say McConaughey is giving a good performance. As such a charismatic actor, he is so flat in this. He's so like bemused the whole time uh, it's it's this is his first big romantic comedy i guess like after this he's he kind of gets in that he was making interesting choices before this movie like he was doing amistad and a time to kill and things like that mm. and this yeah, is yeah, his yeah. first i'm gonna be a pretty boy in a romantic comedy and then you get the what half a decade or decade of slog of of mm -hmm. uh fool's gold and and failure to launch and things like that so, which I'm sure some people enjoy, um, but I, I don't, I feel like the reason you hire McConaughey, he's not doing that here. And maybe he hadn't really become that guy yet, yeah. but I don't find him interesting. And they're, so they have no chemistry <laughs> at all. Yeah. Which is, but everyone else is fine. I mean, yeah, you know, you got, I feel like the script wasn't there. And so they're like, we'll hire some funny people. We'll we'll throw a Fred Willard scene in there. We'll get Kathy Najimy as the boss. And mm -hmm. and they'll they'll spice it up. They'll make it funny. And they're just standing there with nothing to do. And it, it's like they're like, this is where we'll have a scene where something funny happens. We'll just write that later. And then they never wrote it later. They just put them there and they're just staring at the camera like, ah, hey, what? Like that tango scene, the dance scene. Fred Willard doesn't do anything. He's doing like a funny voice and they've got a, ha a hairdo on him and that they're like, that's the joke. <laughs> exactly. So I'm, I'm just making this real life. Uh, of course, Hallie knows that I am uh, doing this podcast and she sent me a request for an app to download. And so she knows I'm in here doing this. And so I'm approving <laughs> it. And then she texted me to ask, can you accept? So I'm doing it right now because she will. I'm not, I'm not ready for teenagers. I'm not ready for teenagers. <laughs> it, uh, oh, well, she did say thanks. So uh, oh, that's nice. That, that's <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, it's kind of like uh, McConaughey is kind of trying to find himself like, you know, because he's he's naturally charismatic. It's almost like he. You know, he didn't have something to go towards like like he would in a drama role. So, but he felt like maybe he had to be different. So, uh, 
yeah, and I, I couldn't help, I couldn't stop laughing at his haircut and the glasses. <laughs> just, so I wanted to go back and try to track like when he lost the glasses because he, sometimes he doesn't have them on, and I wanted to see uh, when they like took them off if it was scenes where she's supposed to be more attracted to him or something if they if they even thought to use that in a different way but i god help me i wasn't gonna go back and watch this thing again same with having her and her hair up in a ponytail i suspect that her hair was down when she uh, is falling <laughs> for him and it's up when she's guarded but i'm not watching this thing again so it's anybody's guess <laughs> well, you know, if you have glasses, it automatically makes you smart. Or, you know, you're a doctor or a lawyer. And he is. He's a pediatrician, right? He's a pediatrician. Uh, yes. And if you're a if you're a female in one of these, like you're automatically lovable because you like old people. You work with old people, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, she, she plays Scrabble. She's very relatable. She goes, mm -hmm. she plays Scrabble, she goes home and Pours a glass of wine and watches Antiques Roadshow. I, I don't think th th this woman has it figured out. That sounds like my ideal life right there. Like she's doing okay. Except for one thing, and it really bothered me. It shows her going home and she keeps her blue jeans on. Like who just like lounges around in the house in their blue jeans? Like you're definitely putting the sweats on, right? Yeah, well, she's too she's too buttoned up. She's too buttoned up for that. Nate. I mean, she's not even going to take her hair out of that ponytail. This is a busy, this is a this is a hard working, career minded woman that just needs a little near death experience and uh, a brush with a, a a groom that wants to commit infidelity. Uh, to that, that's okay. That's I was thinking about that. Like he he has to. You have to you have to thread a needle with this, right? Because the premise of the movie is this guy is you're like supposed to root on him to cheat on his fiance with the wedding planner named Mary, by the way, does everybody get it? She, she's a wedding planner named Mary. It's very <laughs> clever. Um, and, but since there's no chemistry between them, you're just like, and, and they don't, they don't want to play the card of making Bridget Wilson, San Francisco character, like a bad person. So he just comes off as a guy that's going to cheat on his perfectly nice fiance with this woman he has no chemistry with whatsoever. So he kind of is a creep. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Um, did, speaking of her name, did you happen to look at like what his last name is? Yeah, it's uh, Steve Edison, right? Edison. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but like, yeah, Edison, like, okay, we get it. He He's supposed to be smart, you know, <laughs> like he's a direct descendant. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, this meet cute moment, like it's just utterly ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, they kind of brush past the fact that she, she is willingly going to get hit by this dumpster because she gets out of the shoe that she gets stuck in the manhole cover and comes back for the shoe. Like, I mean, I just let it hit her. I mean, <laughs> at this point, <laughs> I, Oh God. And that this poor cab driver, who's the same cab driver at the end. It's about this man just terrorizing these people. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I would assume too, if you know, let's say you leave the shoe in the manhole, the dumpster doesn't like, there's a chance that it just like glazes over it, right? Like the shoe would still technically probably be okay. <laughs> I think she'd be all right. That it was the most manufactured of manufactured moments. Like, yeah. Uh, and then she he admits her into the pedi uh, 
pediatrics wing of the hospital. I don't know. I, I, if if you're if I'm looking for realism, I don't think I've come to the right movie. But uh, I was surprised that like that was the the impetus for him saving her was this thing that didn't really seem like an issue to start with. But that's right. this movie won't really commit to anything. It's like half ideas. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, and uh, I'm gonna go go back a little bit. Uh, do you are you familiar with the director of this movie, Adam Shankman, at all? I am. I'm. I'm. I'm very familiar with him. Um, he is both has directed some movies that I really enjoy, like Hairspray, and he's also a bit of a cinematic terrorist with some of the other <laughs> films that he's directed. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, bringing down the house and the pacifier and things like right, that. Right, right. Uh, yeah. But yeah. he also did uh, Hocus Pocus too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, are you, a, are you a fan of Hairspray, the movie? Yeah. I love the Hairspray movie. I think it's I, really I, good. I, I'm actually, yeah, I'm personally a good fan. The, uh, how I came like to know Adam Shankman is there was a little time in our period, like when Whitney and I first met that we watched. Uh, so you think you can dance. I think it's still on, but anyway, he was a guest judge for a really long time on that show. And so it was one of those where like, then I found out he was a director and I was like, what, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, more familiar with the hairspray and then we kind of see some of the other titles. <laughs> you know, you're Yeah. Like, oh. I, I thought he had a better filmography than when I looked him up and I'm like, Oh, I should be more concerned when I see Adam Shankman in front of a film than excited <laughs> for it. Yeah, I thought the he he's done a lot of TV work. He's directed a lot of episodes, like on Modern Family and like some like kind of like legitimately good shows, you know. So yeah, you know, it's just kind of maybe just a little kind of hit and miss type of thing. But I I think he was channeling his inner Martin Scorsese at the beginning of this film. Did you happen to notice this like you know long take shot that was uh, happening? Uh, is that at the first wedding? Well, yeah, you, right at the very beginning, opening credits. It took me a little while to catch on that, like, oh, we haven't broken. Like, we're just following her throughout this uh, uh, this wedding. Uh, yeah, when you first see her, that's true. I, you know, I don't think I noticed that it was a that it was a oneer. Um, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah, you know why? Because it was absolutely boring. Like. There's like nothing funny that happened during that whole time. No, so. she's got a no, she's got a fanny pack that has little things in it, isn't that right? Right, right, right. That's almost yeah. a joke. And Judy yeah. Greer uh, yells at someone. There's yeah. uh something there. Yeah, it, it made me laugh. Where it's supposed to be funny, it's not. But when she's you know kind of walking, but then she runs when she's like behind a big like you know pillar like in the church or whatever. And I just laugh because I are. Uh, the church I grew up in, uh, First Baptist Longview, very kind of old traditional church. So it had like big like columns like that. And as a kid, we would do that sort of thing, like run okay. and walk and then run and then walk. But yeah, um, but I I was surprised by a lot of the people that did appear in this uh, film. Uh, you mentioned, uh, um, uh, sorry, uh, I lost his name for a second, but uh, Willard. Yeah, Fred Willard. Fred Willard. Mm -hmm. Great, like Fred Willard. Um Always a fan of Judy Greer. I'm sure we'll talk about her a little bit more. But um, I mean, I immediately was like, it's Veronica Vaughn from Billy Madison. I know. <laughs> yeah. That One Veronica Vaughn. So hot. <laughs> I, I, like, uh, I mean, I think she she's fine in this movie. I mean, she's not given a whole lot to do, but like, no. I was a little, I kind of looked at her IMDb. I was a little surprised she hadn't done more stuff. I, I've always liked her, but. Yeah, I don't think she. I, I don't think she did a lot, right? I mean, uh, especially once her and Pete Sampras 
got married. I don't think oh, there yeah. was a lot after that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th that wouldn't make sense. I would. <laughs> if She's I was busy at like the Open, you know, the yeah. French Open, the Australian Open. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. That's kind of like when you like watch a um, a golf tournament, you know, and you see the wives and stuff like that, and you're like, "Yep, this is like this is their job. <laughs> it's just <laughs> coming and uh, clapping at the very end," you know. So yeah. Um, a concept of a movie like this could get behind. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> very much. And speaking of, um, kind of, a lot of these movies haven't ne necessarily aged well. Um, but I, I mean, this one has some a, a little rough, some rough moments in it where I was like, "E," like, <laughs> like. And I know it, it's easy to look back on things. Certainly, if it's been, you know, this was made in two thousand one. But you know, um, at one point uh, they make a joke about, "Oh, that's the gay. He's the gayest." Um, you know, the R word is thrown out there. The R word is there. Um, yeah. how about Jennifer Lopez, Jenny from the block, uh, playing Mary Fiore, first generation Italian. Right? <laughs> Just like, it's like they held up a paint swatch and they're like, ah, close enough. We're not going to make her Hispanic. That's for damn sure. This is 2001. I, I'm like, this is offensive, right? Like once we cast JLo, can we just switch it up to her family is, um, maybe her heritage instead of eh, she's Italian, whatever. Yeah. Well, something and, weird. Who cares? Yeah. And I don't know exactly Justin uh, Chambers lineage as well, but his performance as Massimo, you know, these, uh, this childhood friend, I mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of talked about most of the performances being okay, but I mean, it, this, this was pretty bad. <laughs> the word broad comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a lot. He he's uh, this does not feel like a major motion picture release. I uh, I mean everybody's broad, right? Like it's the her parents are playing. They they they're just playing everything to the back of the room. Everything, and I, you can just tell that they're on set being like, no, no, this will be funny. Like we're having a good time. It's funny in the room. This is really gonna play. And it it doesn't. It just comes over so forced. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, to see that, like, he pops up, and I'm like, oh, he's so. I, I've never really watched Grey's Anatomy. That's a Whitney show, but I've seen kind of a lot. But I was like, that's Dal uh, Doctor. Uh, I forget his main character. And then he starts talking. I'm like, wow, they still like hired him after <laughs> seeing this performance. He like, said, nailed it. He beat someone out. He beat a lot of people out for that role. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, they—I guess they just—they saw a diamond in the rough, I think, <laughs> in this performance. Whatever they saw, I did not. Yeah, um, yeah. Do, do you like the concept of her dad basically pitching um, the romanticism of arranged marriages <laughs> to her? Yeah, finally, a movie that really comes up for the arranged marriage. Uh, so often are we are we told that that's a bad thing, but it, it's good to see it really have its place in cinema. Her dad's character, I mean, again, stock character, but played by Alex Rocco, who was in The Godfather, right. doing what, I mean, he is an Italian-American. Um, I've been to Italy. I found his Italian accent baffling, to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> I was like, looking, like, are they supposed to be Italian? Is there some sort of brain injury here that hasn't been addressed? Um yeah, him and his his little cronies uh, pushing that ah, it doesn't have to be love. You'll uh, you'll learn to love each other. And then she kind of believes that. I was like, first of all, I knew exactly where we were going with this. But I'm like, what? is this where we're going with this? But I also felt like she needed to structurally. 
she needed to come to that sooner. Like when she announces that she's engaged to Massimo at about the 40 minute mark of the movie, she should actually be engaged to him at that point. And then it's like them both being engaged, going through this together and maybe her actually falling for him a little bit. I don't know. I just felt like, again, this is one of those things where it like wants to just hit these beats that it doesn't really earn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they didn't really spend the time with that, that they kind of needed to, I hate to rewrite the movie, but it kind of for this movie forces you to rewrite it. <laughs> It does. <laughs> yeah, you're you're definitely in the moment, kind of going like, "Wait, why? Why is this happening? And why is it? yeah?" Um, I, so I I have to touch on this. Um, and I figured you would have an opinion on this. And apparently, it's like a, a thing. Once again, I didn't see this movie when it came out, and when I started doing some internet uh, rabbit hole searches, this is discussed uh, quite a bit. But the only eating the brown M and M's is insane. Wouldn't you agree? Act of a madman. Act of act of complete insanity. <laughs> I'd never heard of that either. And uh, I actually, I mentioned, uh, I texted Brandon, my co-host, when I was watching when I was watching this, I was like, "This is awful." And he goes, "Yeah, brown M and M's, huh?" What are you doing? I only eat the the brown ones. Because? Well, because I figure they have less artificial coloring. Because chocolate's already brown. It's very scientific of you, Dr. Steve. Yes, thank you, Mary. Makes no sense. I, I, it's like, we need something cute. I don't know, uh, brown M&Ms. Um, yeah, it's, it, I'm just saying like, you're throwing, you're just throwing all, you're littering. First of all, you're just littering. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and uh, it, so you buy this pack of M&Ms, you get what, five M&Ms that you can see? I don't know. <laughs> but this well, is the cute thing. That she like is mentioned once, and then at the end she's doing it as a callback. He's like, oh, she loves me. <laughs> I know. They felt so strongly about this that, like you said, they call it back at the end. <laughs> like, they're like, this is our hook. This is our hook that, that shows their true love, this Eminem thing. I, I, yeah, it's like what demented rock stars do in their writer. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, once again, it's kind of hard with the internet is like finding out was true or not. But yep. um, I read that the, the fact that he states is likely the opposite. Since the shell over the M&M is sugar and food coloring, not chocolate, it's likely that the lighter colored M&Ms have the least artificial coloring because it takes less food coloring to make lighter colors. While on the other hand, it takes many colorful food coloring to mix a darker chocolate brown color. Considering he is a children's doctor, it seems like a strange oversight. <laughs> well, so I was thinking that too, and I'm glad you looked that up. Because my thought as he said that was, wait, the outer shells aren't chocolate, they're candy. Because the whole point of the M&M is they wouldn't they create them for the servicemen back during World War II so they could carry them around and they wouldn't melt in their pocket. So they have the candy shell protecting the chocolate. So I, I'm sitting there like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> he's he's not a good doctor. His first name is Doctor. He's not a real doctor. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so I definitely had to talk about that. Do you think uh, did you think this like park motifs scene worked in this movie? Boy, in a word, no. Um so I read that they kind of filmed this all around this park. Like this whole movie has like four sets. Um <laughs> I, it was filmed for like $3. So I, I again, 
I thought that it seemed like it was something they felt a romantic comedy should do. It was like a hallmark of a romantic comedy. Like we need to be like um, uh, Sleepless in Seattle and harken back to these older movies, these older classic Hollywood movies. So they were like, we'll go to this movie and we'll have it playing in the background, except they don't really make anything out of that. And then you've got this carnival. It's like picnic or something like that, but they don't really do anything with the carnival. Um, so it all just feels like they're just kind of standing in the woods. Uh, it, I think there was supposed to be more to it. I, I watched the trailer last night against my better judgment. I thought if I'm not going to rewatch this turd, I'll at least rewatch the trailer and maybe I'll get something out of that. And there's, in the trailer, there's like clips of things that obviously didn't make it in the movie. Oh, and there's like right. a choreographed dance in that mm. part. Um, now, I don't know if I fell asleep on the plane and I missed the choreographed dance number, but there, I get the feeling that this movie was really chopped up yeah. in the editing room. It just has that feeling because nothing really flows. And so maybe they were going for something. And the choreography makes sense if you get a choreographer to direct this. This is his first big directorial movie, right? Mm -hmm. But then they cut that out. So whatever they had planned for that set piece was not executed and like did not show up in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And they uh and they keep going back to the dance like motif quite a quite a bit of like that being what really has like drawn them together but yeah um is is there so i always have a little category for like a favorite scene or quote and i i can totally let let you off the hook if that is not the case uh pretty <laughs> was there anything that you kind of grasped the, onto the credits count <laughs> um you know what i'll tell you what so there's the scene where uh Steve, Eddie, Dr. Eddie, goes and is playing golf with someone he knows, Kevin Pollack. Kevin Pollack. And I was like, <laughs> I was like sweet. Kevin Pollack is going to be like the guy best friend in right. this. He's yeah. going to be the person he goes to for sage advice. And, uh, and they're playing golf, which I love. I'm like, I could get into this. It's still worth 10 minutes and 15 minutes in the movie. There's, it's uh, unlimited potential. Then the movie forgot that Kevin Pollack was in it, and he never shows up again. <laughs> never again. So you know the what? Unfulfilled promise of the golf scene. He was he walking by the set, and they were like, "Kevin, come here." <laughs> you, you know what happened is his character, although being a doctor, is smoking a cigarette, and he probably just had a heart attack at some point and died. He died. Yeah, he died. Okay, <laughs> they they address that's in the director's cut. There's yeah. a good 30 minutes devoted to the funeral and everything. I get it. I get it. Hey, doctors <laughs> smoked too. I mean, it was 2001. We didn't know. We didn't know uh, these crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, um, so this was like more of a movie. I was writing down scenes that I just thought were horrible. Uh, we don't have to talk a whole lot about them, but um, oh, we can. <laughs> the the whole i just i just labeled it as the horse scene um just i mean i know maybe you know mary is not their like favorite person ever but just the lack of just even wondering if she was okay after being saved i just thought was very very cruel on this family's uh <laughs> from yeah. this family standpoint well while i don't have an issue with the daughter that's getting married, whatever her name is, Fran, her parents are complete psychotics and sociopaths. <laughs> and 
like are it from a different movie. So you're right. They have no, they don't even know who this woman is. First of all, also, do you remember the name of your wedding planner, Nathan? Okay. <laughs> so we, I, I didn't go horseback riding with mine. I know that. <laughs> you didn't? <laughs> well, no, no. Well, they were, it was donkeys. It was a trail ride. So <laughs> you, you didn't have to chase her down. And um, also, I, I also want to note that like, Okay, I can maybe see how they did not, you know, pay attention to Mary being okay, but none of them were like, huh, Steve is quite a good horse rider. <laughs> He's what, like what the equestrian we've got. <laughs> <laughs> Does he race on the weekends? But yeah. Oh man. He's um, from Texas. He's got the Texas draw. We uh, all ride horses. That's that's right. Yeah. Uh, man, I, I forgot to <laughs> I forgot to feed mine today. <laughs> I better go do that. Um uh what's your horse's name? I, you know, I say that I actually had horses growing up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true you did <laughs> oh man uh yeah if anybody knows me they know how uh uh i'm horses are like i'm kind of scared of horses actually you should be they're big they're they're pretty but they're big and stupid and they can really hurt you <laughs> <laughs> it really can so I, I dated a girl in high school who had horses and so i i, I rode a horse a couple of times but just even oh, when you have to brag <laughs> I actually went bareback on a horse one time. Wow. Uh, believe it or not, yeah. Um, once again, I'm we're not really uh, doing much for our case here. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I knew a lot of. I dated another girl who like they sold horses to a famous country star. So yeah, That's but, right. all the stereotypes are true, folks. All the stereotypes are true. <laughs> bang bang, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just like the first time, and they had like the horses she had were like some of the gentlest, nicest horses ever. And just how she was telling me how, you know, when you go to the backside to always have your hand, you know, just along mm -hmm. their rear, just so they don't come back and kick you and essentially kill you. And so even though I would do that every time, I was just almost in my head, like, okay, this is it. This is when Nate, it's, I've, when it's I've never happen. heard of that before. I think she was just a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, I, I won't go into, uh, um, the, the, the other, other things that <laughs> other <laughs> oh, tips and tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, and the other scene I, you have to, you have to know is the whole, um, statue. Um, wow. Uh, they really thought they had a set piece there, didn't they? <laughs> um, yeah. Where he manhandles the statue and it, which would like if it was a real statue would like crush them. <laughs> yeah, no, they they'd be dead. We could all <laughs> stop watching it. Um, yeah, I think I I was wondering during that scene were they going for like we want to be a little raunchy, like we've got to right. we don't we got to break out of this. First of all, we've got our one f word, which we we use pretty early in the movie. When um, when Judy was that? Greer yells it at someone at oh, a okay. like at a wedding guest, um, and then. And then we have this whole thing around the statue's uh, genitals, which is supposed to be very funny. So I think they were trying to up the up the romp, something for the older kids, you know, to really get them into this. Yeah, he, he has to hold on, uh, for lack of better terms, uh, that dick for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> holds that dick. Oh yeah, it got glued to his hand. <laughs> it did it got glued to his hand, and then she she had it unglued somehow with her little fanny pack that she carries around. Yeah, I mean, again, that's where it's like insert joke later. This will just be funny. Well, just trust us. This will be funny, right? And and it it just it doesn't work for me, 
Right. But he's also not super committed to the bit. You know, yeah. he's kind of like half joking. And it, I, McConaughey, I think he can't decide if he wants to be in a movie like this yet. Right, right. Yeah. And the, the security guard, I mean, a hor horrible at his job. I mean, I, I know he ends up confronting them, but totally kind of understandable about the whole thing. <laughs> There's a Well, it happens all the time. It happens. People are always out there fondling the statues. <laughs> Movie musings. We we touched a little bit on the brown M and M's. Sure. Uh, I want to go away from that. And he does bring some treats. I, I did want to ask you, and then I'll I'll tell you the thing that really kind of bugged me. But what what is your go to movie snack when you go to the movies? Yeah, I'm a popcorn guy all the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I love it. I just I'm popcorn with the gross butter on the top. You know, and dig dig from the bottom. I don't need that popcorn on the top that's three hours old. I want the popcorn on the bottom that's a good eight, 12 hours old. Yeah, that good stale stuff. And I'll throw I'll throw some of that uh, yellow motor oil on it. And uh, <laughs> I will finish that the biggest bucket before yeah. we're done with the trailers and have a stomachache the rest of the movie. Absolutely. <laughs> do, you, do you pair it with any kind of candy at all? No, usually like a, a Miller Lite. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not big candy. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm not a big candy guy. I'm a big. Yeah. You know. I don't go out to the movies as much anymore. But I'm. You know. Pretzels and popcorn. I like. I think I like the salty stuff a little bit more. Yeah. I. I do as all uh, as well. Um. I found though like, and I don't even keep these on on hand. But I love to have hot tamales with. Oh the yeah. Popcorn. It's actually a surprisingly good uh, mixture there. Yeah, that's um, my my wife had never had popcorn and M and M's before, I, so I did introduce her to that, and she was oh, uh, that's a good eternally combo. grateful. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, We're, so there's in Norman, there's really kind of two main theaters to go to, and one um, I actually like a lot, but the problem is they have all Pepsi products, uh, so that really sucks. And the, the other one, they do have Coke products, but it's out of the fountain machine. That's the one like like kids dream a fountain machine where you get mm. to press the screen and like mm -hmm. those sodas are never good because it's got a mixture of who knows what you know when the when it comes out and so anyway it's always like uh, we end up bringing our we, we wouldn't mind paying for the soft drink if it was like a true like you know good soft drink but we usually end, end up taking uh uh, a Diet Coke in there or something like that. So yeah, movie theaters seem to be the only place that you can still get Mr. Pib. So I'm always drinking a Mr. Pib with my uh, stale popcorn. I haven't had Mr. Pib in a really long time. Well, if he tried harder, he'd be Dr. Pib. <laughs> so the uh, what really bugged me was that uh, Steve brought gumballs. Like to me, that just was like I thought that's a horrible movie candy. Yeah, no, not a good choice. He doesn't make very many good choices in this, though. No. <laughs> uh, He's not a dentist. He's a pediatrician. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe because he works with kids, he just immediately thinks everybody likes gumballs, I guess. He just had know. them in his pockets. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that uh, Mary, she she's really into Scrabble because she you know goes and visits uh, her dad and all his friends. And so uh, you kind of are, are you a Scrabble guy? I am. I love Scrabble. I, yeah. I, I kind of figured you did for some reason. I don't know why I had yeah, to. I, give, I would give up big, big Scrabble energy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you yeah. look lonely, Kyle. <laughs> Have you been playing a lot at that old folks' home? I do. I do. But that's just to me, women. <laughs> 
yeah so you you like scrabble you you think you're pretty good i'm pretty good i'm it's it's ironic because i'm a terrible speller um but i do love i do love scrabble i've got a pretty i've got a you know my vocabulary isn't isn't terrible but my spelling definitely doesn't match it but it's just a game of strategy right 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 right. and i was about to say you're you're very good at strategic games so i i can definitely see how you might would have like a three letter word but being like placed in the right you, you know triple yeah. word score that sort of thing well and i'm and I'm, a, I'm a big crossword guy i mean i don't play scrabble a lot because you need a partner to play scrabble but I, I do crosswords all the time so i like word i like word games okay yeah um so in this movie uh mary gets described quite a bit as a control freak um would you consider yourself a control freak i well i'm married so not really uh, and I have children, so no, I don't control really anything in my life. <laughs> um, I am I'm a control freak around uh, two things. I have to drive everywhere. I yes. like to be in control of the vehicle. And I do all of our cooking for our family. And I like to be the one that sets the meals and cooks the meals and kind of de- determines when when meals are served. Okay. So, yeah, I am controlling over those things. Yeah. And I only let Brandon speak on our podcast uh, at certain times. <laughs> um, uh, so I didn't have this uh, question originally written down, but it just came to, and you mentioned it. So you all did have a wedding planner for your wedding? No, I say that more for humor. I mean, oh, okay. so we had, a, we had a wedding. Our ceremony was actually in a church. Uh, I wasn't someone that grew up like planning my wedding in any way, but I always imagined a church wedding, I think, because that's what most people on TV did. Um, so we were assigned some little old bitty from the church, and you were in my wedding. Yeah. Uh, some little old bitty from the church that uh, was a control freak and who we did not get along with. And I think my brother got into it with her, uh, doing his best man duties. So no, we didn't go horseback riding with Ethel, and um, we didn't spend a lot. I know she didn't make the Christmas card list. I'll tell you that. <laughs> did you have one? Oh, we didn't. No, um, but uh, Whitney, she just naturally, just in her professional world, has always done events, so she's really good at that thing. Uh, but the w- one thing that we like really spent a lot of money on was our photographers because we wanted to get photos. But we we knew uh, the couple that did the photos, and part of the reason we hired them is kind of they like uh, they weren't the wedding planner, but they kind of moved everything along. Uh, mm-hmm. because they're very professional and did a lot of things. So, you know, it's like they were the ones who kind of were like, okay, now it's time to cut the cake. Like they had their checklist of things. So that kind of like helped move things along. But we had a good friend who kind of stood in that place who uh, we knew enjoyed telling other people what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, she helped out a lot. So uh, yeah, no, no, we didn't. So um, well, yeah. I have to say that my wife, my wife wanted to be a wedding and event planner that's what she initially set out to do. So we really weren't in need of one. I right. mean, she was, she was ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, Whitney didn't ever want to do that, but she was already at that point working for the city of Arlington and they did events all the time. So, uh, I think if we had had hired somebody, she would have done a better job than whoever we would have hired. <laughs> so I don't doubt that. The first category is the romantic chemistry between the leads. So one heart being the lowest, five hearts being the highest. What did you give Steve and Mary here? Boy, so one's the lowest, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, one's, <laughs> that seems rough because when they went to kiss each other, they didn't like miss each other's faces or anything. <laughs> so I got one and a half. 
just yeah. because they they were able to speak the same language. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're both very attractive people. Uh, you know, they are, and, <laughs> and that is what's most important. Yeah, uh, I'm going to line with you on that uh, one and a half. I I didn't feel like, I mean, they you know, cardboard type of people are drawn to each other. <laughs> like I'm sure you know some uh, couples in this world that are both just naturally boring and it's like well yep that makes sense that they're together so you know that kind of makes sense here but as far as like the chemistry that pops from the screen and it's almost like surprising when you see it because I, I i i like mcconaughey and lopez and like in other things it just it just didn't match here and it, it totally seemed like this was like a bunch of producers and i read some kind of other like you know and this person was supposed to be cast and this, you know, it kind of, it, it did feel like these two actors, like their schedules aligned more than anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at, you know, like Lopez and George Clooney and out of sight. I mean, that's chemistry, right? right. That's two people firing yeah. off of each other. This is not that. No, no, no. McConaughey all. and Anthony Hopkins and Amistad, you know, like two people that just. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey and Samuel Jackson, you know, <laughs> turning and yeah, oh, perfect example. <laughs> um, uh, so the second category, I, I actually kind of had a hard time with this. I almost like in my head, I've always called this category almost like the Judy Greer Memorial like category, yeah, yeah. just because I I like her and anything that she does, um, and so but. I really struggle with it. One, because you you mentioned uh, Steve's old friend who just plays golf and then he's out. So, you know, Steve doesn't really have that like person on his shoulder that's really kind of guiding him, so to speak. Um, and so uh, Judy Greer is like, she kind of gets Steve and Mary together, you know, mm -hmm. and she, she's kind of in and out a little bit. Um, I don't know how you view this category. I mean, it could also be her dad and her friends. Uh, I struggle with that because we talked about the arranged marriage part and they go all the way to the courthouse, but then they actually kind of come in and save the day, you know, like don't allow them to get married. I kind of like that aspect of it. So I, I don't know how you, how you feel about this category. Yeah. You know, you've all, yeah, you've got the quirky sidekick, right. That, that always is there to bounce zingers off the, the lead. And, and I do love Judy Greer. Yeah. And I think you're correct in naming this like the Judy Greer Memorial category. Um, but Judy Greer is not that character. It's like she's a plot device to get them together. And every now and then they have her scream. So right. I don't know. I don't think she's a strong character. I, The dad, his friends don't do enough, I think, to even rank at that. Maybe the dad a little bit. A lot of times you have the parental figure that kind of guides her. And, and uh, so... If we're giving a rating, just because it's Judy Greer, I'm going to give it a bump up, and I'm going to give it a two. Okay. But they don't give Judy anything to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I gave it a two and a half, not because uh, it, it, at points I liked him. As much as I hated uh, Massimo, he actually like says a lot of good things <laughs> to, to no, her. He's, like, he's, yeah, he's not, not like supposed to be a bad guy, right? He's the one no. that actually calls off the wedding at the end it's yeah it's kind of half said um which when i had to reread wikipedia uh to remember what happened in this movie earlier today because <laughs> i watched it two days ago and it is gone from my memory and it it has it both ways it says that um 
she realizes that marrying Mosmo is right, not the right thing to do, and uh, and leaves him. And the next sentence it says that Mosmo reveals he could not go ahead with marrying Mary, and because she <laughs> loves Steve. I'm like, much like the movie, this description has no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> yep, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Um, so uh, today, I, sorry, it was kind of last minute. I sent you a link to a playlist that I found yeah. uh, about the soundtrack. Did you get a chance to listen to any of those songs? I did. I did. I On my drive home today, I decided that I was going to forego my usual uh, listening and listen to what you sent me. And I listened to a good 10 seconds of each one of those crinkly, horrible, sappy songs. Um, just what a soundtrack. What a soundtrack. You know, those, the Love Don't Cost the Thing, that J-Lo song that plays over the end credits, isn't even oh, on yeah. the soundtrack? Oh, yeah. I never forgot about that. Like, <laughs> totally the best forgot. song in the movie. It's even on the so, so, so Hallie watched this movie with us and the credits hit and me and Whitney immediately start singing and dancing along to that song. And Hallie looked at us like, how in the world do you know this song? Uh, yeah, I, I forgot. I forgot about that one. Um, but you yeah. can't call it a count on the soundtrack. I mean, you got to buy the JLo album to get that one. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, as even without like listening to this playlist, you know, I was trying to pay attention to the music, uh, watching through it. Um, it was um, a lot that's on here are just it's. I mean, it's so two thousand one female pop, um, uh, kind of like a uh, Vanessa Carlton type uh, of sound yeah. a, a lot. Um, you got a Sister Hazel B side on there. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't afford a. a the one sister hazel hit they had to get a b-side <laughs> um and then uh before we talk about this one song like i did notice throughout the musical uh, quote unquote score um whitney didn't make note that like during the park scene like when it slowed down and that had like the swelling romantic music it, it was pretty but like the the music that's used here for the comedic beats of any like weird glance or like action is horrific. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like Looney Tunes time. Yeah. Yes. It makes me think of uh forgetting Sarah Marshall and like the Peter Bretter character, right? Where he does like the music for that the show that she's on, whatever it's called. Is it Sarah Marshall? Is that her name? Whatever, yeah. remember, and he's just like low, ominous tones. Yes, yeah, yeah, Whenever yeah. I see a movie like that, I just imagine him with his synthesizer, like happy <laughs> yes. sound, sad sound, <laughs> stock emotional sw swelling, or like, mm -hmm. you know, boom, 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 plucking the violin strings as someone's sneaking <laughs> along. It's just like music, the score. Yeah. Um, and so the song, the song I want to talk about was, so Mary makes note in this movie about the Olivia Newton John song. And if any, any couple has a song in their wedding, you know, she yes. knows they're not going to make it. Uh, I'll be completely honest. I, I don't know. Did you, were you familiar with this? Uh, what the, the hell song? is this song? I know. I, I don't know it. And I listened to it today and, you know, I have to agree with Mary here. That's a horrible song. <laughs> well, here's just, my thing. Just just the fact that the song is I love you, comma, I honestly love you. <laughs> I, I swear, trust me, it's true. I didn't make it to the chorus, I'll be honest. But no, I'd never heard it. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's a it's a snapshot in time. You watch friends, uh some of the references they make are from things that happened in the 70s 
when the writers of that were growing up that maybe go over my head and I'm like, maybe that's when I'm like, wait, no, it's 2001 that this came out. Like what Olivia Newton John song is this? Granted, I don't celebrate the woman's entire catalog, but I don't know what they're talking about. Pick a movie that we, or a song we've heard of. But if two people fall in love and they both decide that this should be their song, they both find this together. Those people are going to be married forever. Like, <laughs> um, I think you'll appreciate this story. I, uh, so I used to, I filmed a lot of weddings, especially in college, a little after college. So you always see weddings. It's, it's just, it is fascinating. It's like, they all kind of have the same beats, but they're all like unique in their own way. Uh, yep. Maybe kind of like this rom-com list a little bit, but anyway, uh, one wedding that I filmed, I believe it was outside of Austin, but it was a very country wedding. And the couple's first dance song was Picture by Sheryl Crow and Kid Rock. And oh. I don't know if you remember that song, but the it's a breakup song in it. Yeah. It's all about like basically somebody cheating on their partner. <laughs> I love, I love people that don't listen to the lyrics. Yeah. What was your, what was your, your first song? Y'all did like a dance, right? Like a fun dance thing. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were that couple. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It started off as a song and then, yeah, it came in. Uh, I remember that. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, it, what's, kind of funny about that moment it was actually probably one of the biggest fights that we had as an engaged couple because um i know this surprises you i'm not the most coordinated fella in the whole world and what? yeah i know but we had our friend you know, like we we uh i put the song together and it's kind of a medley of a lot of different songs and she she uh, choreographed it for us and we uh we were in Whitney's rec center that she was running in at the time. And we were like practicing, but it was just one of those moments that like, I just wasn't getting it down or whatever. And it was one of those moments of like, I can't do this. And that was one of our big moments. Our biggest fight uh, was um, while we were engaged, I, uh, I stopped an arm robbery and this woman that was being robbed, uh, there was a real connection between the two of us. And we almost <laughs> fell in love. It was this old woman. It turns out she was our wedding planner. Oh, uh, well, I, I'm proud of Kayla for sticking it through with you and just, <laughs> yeah, it's a sham. <laughs> um, oh, so we didn't, we didn't rate the overall. I honestly, oh. I had it, I had it pretty low, but you remind me of the Jennifer Lopez uh, song at the very end. So I have to give it two hearts because I kind of like the Sister Hazel song. I know it was a B-side, but I was kind of like one of those like, oh yeah, I like Sister Hazel, but yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give this a one and a half. This is, yeah. I mean, to me, this is your basic uh, 90s, 2000s soundtrack where they're just, the studio's like, what do we own? What songs do we own that we can throw on this soundtrack? What's not going to cost us anything? Right. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so the fourth category, Chasing Declaration of Love. And I'll be honest, kind of like you, even though I saw this not that long ago, I really had to refresh my mind <laughs> about... Um, because I knew I knew she didn't get married. He ended up, you know, not getting married. They have that uh, kind of weird discussion that should have happened long before the actual wedding date. Uh, uh, but you know, he go he goes up to the church and he's relieved that you know she didn't get married to Massimo. And so um, it, McConaughey does a good job of playing like I've got to get to the girl, like sure. look and faces and stuff like that. And so he takes the cars, and then it's on. It's like nighttime all of a sudden, and it's, he goes to the park, right? Did yeah, I miss but, there. 
You well, you do a little, yeah. They so they've read the book. They've read the book on rom coms, right? When the screenwriters went to their laboratory, and they were they were piecing Frankensteining this together. Um, they knew that you have to have a quirky best friend and they knew that you have to have a soundtrack with some old hits in it. And you knew you've got to have a little raunchy stuff in it. And they knew that you have to have this declaration of love and this, this chase, this, yeah. this running like Billy Crystal running for no reason at the end of when Harry met Sally, just because we need something for the trailer where he's running. Um, like, and so they, they start this scene where, yeah, Massimo and McConaughey jump on Massimo's Vespa and they run, they ride through the streets of San Francisco. And they're like, they go through a parade and McConaughey's wearing a veil. So we've got some good, uh, we've got some good early nineties gay panic, which is they've inserted into this. But, but it's like, it's too fast and nothing ever happens from it. Like yeah. they go in the parade. I'm like, oh, they're going to ride in the parade and there's going to be some hijinks. And they're suddenly out of the parade. And then like, so they want to have that scene and they started to write that scene and then it never really goes anywhere. And they're like, ah, eh, we're just saying he's back in the park. Let's just get in. Let's put him in that cab for the guy earlier that was eating the ice cream cone. I don't know. People enjoy that. <laughs> and all the, I understand that he's wanting to get to Mary as fast as possible. But the fact that it's not like she's even like boarding a plane or anything. <laughs> she's just in the park. <laughs> she just seems to have a, probably should be there a couple hours. The movie just started. Right. They had to. It was just evening, and suddenly it's it's dusk or full on nighttime. So they had to wait for the move for nighttime for the movie to start. So it's gonna be a while. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. So okay. So all that said, uh, how do you rank it? So so they tried. It exists, right? Yes. <laughs> it's a one to me would be like we can't find it in this movie. Yeah. They tried. They they got some extras and made a parade. Uh, they rented a Vespa, so I'm gonna give it a two. Yeah, yeah, that's what I gave it because, like I mentioned, somehow I still kind of forgot all the things you had mentioned. <laughs> I watched it and uh, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about the beret. <laughs> a that, movie but... that dares you to remember it. <laughs> so all, uh, so the most I would say the most important category, last one, the rewatchability. What do you give it in this movie? I couldn't bring myself to rewatch scenes of it to prepare for your podcast. <laughs> One, negative five. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. So I, I have I have no need to see this movie ever again. <laughs> if I never watch this movie again, it will be a complete life. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure there might have been a moment or two. I might have kind of chuckled or something, but I just, you know, I always say it's almost like, a rewatchable movie is kind of like when you go to the hotel and uh, do you all have cable? No, no. Yeah. So we don't either. So there's something about when you go to a hotel and there's cable, I don't know why, like, it's just like, Oh, like this is like this new invention or something, but like, Oh, I can, <laughs> it's just something. But like, I always say rewatchability is like, you know, you're flipping through and it's a movie, no matter where it's at, you kind of like stop and watch it, you know? Right. And this is like, yeah, I, I would not be enticed to ever, take this movie in again <laughs> i might i might watch a few minutes of it not remembering that i've seen it but as soon as 
as soon as that flood of memories comes back, I'm changing the channel. Yeah, you, you might you might forget because it does have such a great cast. You'd be like, oh, Judy Greer. Oh, yeah, it's a wedding planner. Or, oh, Kevin Pollack. Oh, no. I mean, what the wedding were Kevin Pollack and Matthew McConaughey in together? Where is this going? <laughs> I know you can keep that one in your memory bank for the, the all the movie games we like to play. You know, if those two ever come up, you'll be like, <laughs> I knew I watched this movie for a reason. <laughs> That's right. I'll use it. I'll use it as ammo to beat you. Yeah, you always beat me. I don't think I've beat you once. <laughs> Maybe you once. Win you win sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Recommendations. We probably talked about this movie way too long. Uh, Maybe longer than the movie itself. But uh, oh, we gave it more thought than the screenwriters. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, anything good uh, that you're watching or reading or listening to? Yeah, I don't watch much. Um, the thing is, my you know, the, the, our podcast, Second Best Picture, uh, all my movie watching time seems to go towards yeah. watching those movies. And those I know movies, you, those movies tend to be uh, usually longer run times too. Yeah, they don't make uh, hour and fifteen minute long Best Picture nominees <laughs> for some reason. Something I bemoan constantly on the podcast because I'm eighty five years old. Um, so I'll, uh, instead of pointing people towards one of our podcasts, I'll point them towards another podcast that I'm really enjoying right now, which is called, uh, it's the spooky season recently, right? With uh, Halloween. And so I listened to a podcast out of Wondery called Ghost Story. Okay. Um, this journalist in England trying to get, uh, found out that people uh, reported a ghost in his childhood home in London. And so he has a podcast trying to get to the bottom of, uh, this supposed ghost that was in his childhood home that uh, his his wife, this isn't a spoiler or anything, his wife, it turns out her great-grandmother was murdered in the house next door to his that they didn't realize until uh, they met, like, in college, that her, her great-grandmother had lived next door to the house he grew up in and was murdered in that house. Um, and so it is a fascinating podcast called Ghost Story that uh, I'm not someone that even believes in ghosts, but just the family dynamics of it all is is really, uh, really interesting. So I'd recommend that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that, that sounds really good. You know, I'm going to change mine up a little bit um, because you said that we'll just we'll just go on the podcast uh, recommendation and it kind of actually goes with this movie a little bit. Um, real quick, I want to say I'm surprised that ghost story that title had not been taken already <laughs> well let me make sure i got the title right Nate. <laughs> <laughs> um, ghost story ah, nailed it yeah yeah there you go um so i this is a i i don't tend to listen to a lot of uh what what would that category kind of be like uh um it's it well it turns into more true crime i feel like yeah 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 so um this is kind of a true crime podcast, although it's a little bit like on the lighter side. And because we're talking about the wedding planner, uh, this is from the Ringer Network, but the wedding scammer. Uh, I've been listening to it, and um, it, it's just, and it's almost kind of almost like a real time uh, type of podcast. I think there's going to be seven episodes. So like uh, after each episode, he's kind of like this is this is still kind of developing. But basically, the guy who hosts the podcast worked for a business that ended up kind of being a sham. Like none of the employees got paid and that sort of thing. And he knew him and the others kind of got scammed, but he kind of went on with his life. But then uh, this character kind of comes back in and uh, a lot of uh, what this guy was doing was, it's just horrible. Like in the wedding industry and just like totally just 
jipping people on like the flowers mm -hmm. they order or the catering. I mean, it's just like, it's almost like to me a little bit, like it's one thing to like, you know, scam somebody, but like the, we the wedding, I mean, how horrible, how horrible is that? Uh, one couple in it actually talked about how they like had like the next year, they kind of recreated that this, the, the whole wedding, like with their close family and friends just to like, kind of salvage everything that they lost from it but anyway it's kind of interesting so if you kind of like the true crime without maybe not as murder much murder <laughs> like th this one's kind of kind of interesting kind of maybe maybe like in a catch me if you can vibe to it so okay yeah uh, the wedding planner the wedding scanner you know so synergy um, yes there you go um well also well thank thanks so much i promise like we're gonna have to find a good movie to talk about <laughs> I, I thought we were friends <laughs> this is it's starting to feel like fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me fool me three times what kind of choices am i making with my life i, I was on also i think the weird al one weird oh which, that's right that's right that's think, right which was fine so right now the best movie we've covered together is the weird al spoof uh biography <laughs> Starring Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. Starring Daniel Radcliffe and yeah. uh, Rain Wilson. Yeah. Um, did you? Uh, you probably haven't. Have you been able to catch out catch any of the big movies from this year so far, like Barbie or Oppenheimer or Killers of the Flower Moon? I haven't seen. No, I haven't seen anything. Honestly, I'm I'm kind of waiting for them all to hit streaming. I don't I don't leave my house. I'm a hermit. As someone with a movie podcast, I am uh, woefully underversed in modern movies. <laughs> you want to talk about something from like 2001 or 1994? I mean, I'm I'm your man. <laughs> you say you're a hermit, but you all like you're always like at some kind of swim meet or like you're always neighborhood parties. You you're, you're like an Albuquerque. You travel more than I. I like I don't travel anywhere. Yeah, I'm also yeah I'm a hermit and a habitual liar. There you go. Good combination. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're both laughing about my conversation with Kyle, but also I, I still can't get over this uh, green M&M thing. You uh, didn't believe me. I, I didn't. But it's true. <laughs> it's it's true. If, so. if you just type into Google green M&M, you find out a lot about it. <laughs> but the, it says rumors about the green M&M are about it being an aphrodisiac began circling on a circulating on American university campuses in the 1970s. But the funny thing is, is this thing says today the initial rumor is an urban legend. Okay, just as of today. Just as of today. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, in the 70s, it did work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, just to segue real quick, um, we do love Thanksgiving not only as a chance to spend more time with friends and family and rest up, but hopefully catch a couple of films. So just some really quick takes. We saw Trolls Band together in the theater. Um, I was I, I enjoyed. I mean, it was nice to go with our family. I laughed a couple of times. Popcorn was good. Popcorn was good. I was bored a little bit, but um, I mean, it was better than the. Second one. The second one, yeah. I like the first one better. This third one was fine. I I thought the jokes were funny about the boy band stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wondered if those went over like our girls' heads. 
Well, sure, but that joke wasn't for them. They don't care. I know, but there was a lot of them. A lot of them, yeah. They did lean on it a lot. But I would say if you've grown up in the Trolls franchise, you should be pleased with this. If someone's, well, Debbie, our sister in law, came with us to this and she had never seen any never of them. She thought it, she laughed out loud, yeah, genuinely. She did. She did so, um, the other was um, the documentary uh, about the Wiggles. Um, I, I'm pulling up the, I should have the official name. <laughs> I'm sure it's called. I, we loved the Wiggles probably too late. Like we watched them more with Hal, Hayden than with Hallie, right? Yes. And we, um, it was very soothing in the car and it like created good music that wasn't, I don't know. I liked it. I liked watching it. I could go watch it right now. I just really enjoyed, I loved Emma and Lucky. I just really liked all of those. And so I realized I love the second generation of Wiggles. I did not know it during the first generation of Wiggles. Yeah. There was really probably over a decade of Wiggles before yeah. we... Yeah. A lot of people... I yeah. mean, it was a craze. Yeah. But they touched on that, how they had to kind of rebuild the brand you yeah. know, with this new band. Yeah. And I, we thought that was interesting because we were like, oh, they're yeah, the second... Yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. seen... And I recognize... Well, one of them stayed the same, but I that's yeah. the one I recognized. Um, there would be like adults at the concerts like going like it wasn't kids at the con some of the concerts had kids but then there'd be concerts that are in sold out huge places with just all adults just screaming to the wiggle song yeah i wanted to go <laughs> i'd like to go now yeah i think if you're uh interested in just music behind the scene type of stuff it's definitely as you can imagine a lot more uh, cleaner you're not getting like sex drugs and rock and roll no. here but it still has some touches of like the band dynamics yeah. that you know always happen and especially as like uh it was kind of this person got what married this person <laughs> and I always wanted emmy emma and lucky to be dating and they were married yeah not for long but they were married one wiggle that came in and kind of seemed to be ousted even yeah. though there's like so it's got some elements yeah, of that but they don't explain everything as well no. it could have been like a three-part series and told you way more but it's just yeah. like it lightly touched it yeah. it was very strange yeah. But I think I think surface, people I think people should uh, check it out. Uh, it's it's called Hot Potato. The hot story. Potato, the... Hot potato, hot potato, hot potato, hot <laughs> potato. You're cutting me off. Oh. Hot potato. The story of the Wiggles. And it's... hot potato, hot potato. <laughs> but it's on a Prime Video, so you can stream it there. And try not to sing that song yeah. every time you but say even, it. But even even if you didn't uh, grow up listening to them or you, you know ha- watch videos with your kids, I think it's really fascinating of just how a group of people. Uh, came together to create something just unique and for like honestly for kid songs there was something in line between the wiggles and barney like barney i drives me nuts the wiggles like i mean i was humming well, the they're songs using real voices <laughs> as opposed to like yeah, cartoon voices yeah, the whole yeah. time but also i think other countries are just pure and more innocent than ours Hmm, and yeah. they just like let it be and they don't make it into like slutty or trashy or like gross yeah like turning m&ms into aphrodisiacs yeah. welcome to america yeah exactly and I, I think also that uh you know they're never uh apologetic uh for their style and their brand and also you see the musicianship behind their songs yeah. you know so yeah oh you could hear it in my singing right <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it sounded exactly like them. <laughs> so um, the other uh, movie, oh, we cut it on Peacock. 
I just quickly saw, I actually, I'll give a shout out to Matt Monk. I saw his quick review of it, but Melissa McCarthy has a new movie on Peacock called Genie. Um, and we don't have to talk too much about it. She, she, she plays a genie, but it's in presence time, but it's a PG rated film, family film. Yeah. Um, I genuinely watched it and laughed. I had fun yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, as, not well. I don't know if I should say surprisingly, but from the writer of Love Actually and Notting Hill, and um, and so I guess you get the, Richard Curtis is his name. Uh, so uh, it's got the elements to it. I would say like I thought it was really genuinely funny at a lot of parts, and then there were some things that just kind of uh, the wheels came off a little bit, and I thought they had a potential for a really great movie, and for some reason it, they just settled with good. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, but for sitting, like, but I liked it for if you the first, I don't know if it was an hour and a half, but let's say it was an hour and a half. The first hour twenty, I was loved it. The last ten, we're like, well, yeah, yeah. But but it was good. good family. Yeah. We watched it with Hallie. Uh, Christmas, if you want that feeling, uh, it's I, a Christmas movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I th- I think you could do uh, a lot worse. And then oh, the last one, kind of like I would say an oldie but a goodie <laughs> for our household. Uh, we watched Dan in real life. Oh, uh, the other yeah. knife and uh that was the best of all four you just said yeah and uh i think surprisingly i i feel like we should uh give it even though it's not technically about thanksgiving it gives a lot of thanksgiving vibes off it is thanksgiving isn't it is, is it, it is that yeah. why they're getting together yeah because they come back to see each other at christmas a few weeks later oh okay I, thanksgiving i guess I, I didn't remember did they have like a thanksgiving i made meal? that up i don't know no <laughs> Maybe it's Christmas. Beat me. But it's family coming together. I would say one of the rare movies that kind of really captures that dynamic of when family, like cousins, just all gets together, like the different rooms and the different activities that happen. It makes you think of your lackey side of the family with the talent show. Yeah, had a talent show. I love it. And I didn't realize, like, my niece is uh, mid-20s, and she hadn't seen it. And so it missed a generation somehow. So and she loves to watch movies. So I think you need to go back and watch it if you've never watched it. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, we streamed it on Disney Plus uh, as part of the Fox family, so you can catch Dan in real life. There. Yeah, it's great. There. Steve Carell, great. I, I just want to give a special thanks uh, again to Kyle for enduring the wedding planner with me. Uh, make sure to check out his show, Second Best Picture, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can find a link to his podcast in the show notes, so you can easily find that. And remember, you can always visit our website at moviesyourlife.com for all our episodes and reviews for some of the movies that uh, Whitney and I just talked about and more. Uh, next week, we are sticking with the best rom-coms list and talking about number 40 on the list, 13 Going on 30. Uh, I would say a much better movie than The Wedding Planner, in my opinion. What, what says you, Whitney? Yeah, I agree. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Hot potato, hot potato. <laughs> hot potato, hot potato. Until next time, I'll have Whitney <laughs> carry you out in hot song. Hot potato, hot potato. I wish I knew the next verse. Uh, there's an uh, elephant, right? Elephant? No, that was the monkey. <laughs> I don't know. There was a monkey song. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do the monkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Keep it up. What was it? What was it? How did the elephant go? Know. <laughs>